I want you to open your Bible tonight to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, and I'm going to read a few verses here uh, as I begin the message, which is all about angels. Now, of course, if I were going to say everything that could be said about angels, we'd be here all night, but uh, we're going to pick out a few things. Matthew, chapter 4, and beginning to read at verse 8, again... The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this will I give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Do you ever think about that last phrase, and angels came and attended him? Exactly how did they do it, and what did they do? I want to begin by telling you about a gentleman by the name of Silas Fox. Silas was a missionary to India. And when I was a boy, he often visited our church when he was on furlough, and his messages had a powerful influence on my life. In fact, I believe it was partly due to his influence on my life that I went into ministry and felt the call of God on my life. He didn't know me. Uh, He never heard me say that, and yet uh, I, he had a powerful influence on my life. He told a story one day about his ministry in India where uh, he had to go to a distant city and he was to be the keynote speaker at a large convocation. And in India, when you're going to travel, you have to make your reservations on the train a long time ahead And if you're going to get there at all, the trains are really crowded. He had forgotten that it was a holiday weekend. And he arrived at the station to get on the train, and it was totally jammed with people. You could hardly move, and there were no tickets available on the train. And he didn't know what to do. So he stepped back onto the platform amidst the the turbulent crowd and just laid it before the Lord. He said, Lord, you know that I have forgotten to make the reservations that I needed to make. Those people on the other end are expecting me to be there, to be their convocation speaker today. And I believe you want me to go there. And if that's true... Somehow, you're going to have to get me on that train. After he had prayed, a young man approached him and said, Mr. Fox, follow me. And he followed the young man, and they went to a car on the train and walked down the hallway. The young man took a key and unlocked a compartment because the trains in India run with compartments. And he turned and said, Mr. Fox, this is where you will ride today. He stepped inside and set his bag down and turned around to thank the man, and he was not there. And he said, I I went and looked up and down the aisles, and there was nobody there. 
Now, he said, you can think what you like, but I believe that was an angel. I'd never before met that man. I never saw him again, but it was a messenger of God who intervened in a very difficult situation. So I ask you tonight, is that real? And who are these angels anyway? They have a very large place in the Bible. I just read one passage where angels came and ministered to our Lord at the conclusion of his temptation. They are referred to over and over and over again in Scripture. For example, in Psalm 68, verse 17, you read, The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. What does all that mean? Because most of us have never seen an angel, and yet we are told there are thousands of angels, and in this instance, 20,000 in one place. In fact, one of the titles for God that is often used in Scripture is the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? Who are these hosts that are talked about? It's my understanding that when he is Lord of hosts, he is Lord of all of the angelic creation, and they serve him, and they minister to him. In fact, that title is found 273 times in the Old Testament. The Lord of hosts, the hosts of angels who do his bidding day after day. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11, you read, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Have you stopped to figure out how many that is? That's a lot of, of, of count. And yet, that's a description of the angelic hosts. So tonight, I felt it would be good for us just to think a little bit about who they are and what they do. And the first thing I would like to point out to you is that there are ranks of angels. One of the first ranks that we hear about is the archangel Michael. And he is often mentioned in the scripture. Then another principal angel is Gabriel. And we find Gabriel announcing the birth of Jesus and at other significant events. You have Gabriel mentioned. We do not know what his rank is. Then we are told about the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6. And they fly around the throne of God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty is what they say in praise to the Lord. And then you have the cherubim. And you often read about the cherubim. Then in the New Testament, there are a number of ranks. For example, there are principalities mentioned in Ephesians 1.21 and Colossians 1.16. There are authorities 
mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22. And then there are powers, and the powers are 1 Peter 3.22 and Colossians 1.16. And then there are thrones mentioned in Colossians 1.16. And then there is might, and that is Ephesians 1.21. And then there are dominions in Ephesians 1.21 and Colossians 1.16. Now, if you would ask me how to, uh, how to evaluate who all of these people were, you know, I can't do it. But these are the people that are talked about, the angels that are talked about in the scriptures. And some of them are demonic, and some of them are God's servants. Uh, you remember that, uh, that there was the fall of Satan from heaven, and he took a great number of angels with him, and they are the demons who do demonic work in the world today. But there are all of these ranks of angels. I'm not sure what they mean. Uh, I'm, I think, for example, when you talk about thrones, these were, would be people who, who hover about the rulers of the world, who are kings or presidents. Uh, you talk about authorities. I think you're having angels who deal with governmental authorities and, and so on. Uh, it's difficult to define, but there are these many ranks of angels mentioned. Now, there's another statement that is often found in Scripture, and that is the angel of the Lord. Frequently, when that phrase occurs, we believe that was a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ himself. And he came in what is called by the theologians a theophany where he appeared to men in, uh, in, in personal visible form and then disappeared. So there are ranks of angels. That's the first thing I want to bring to your attention. The second thing I want to talk about is that angels are created beings. For example, in Colossians 1.15... You read, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Now we recognize that Jesus Christ was God in the beginning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were God in the beginning. And Jesus Christ was involved in the creation of all things, including the world, including human beings, and certainly in the angels. And it's interesting that it spells out thrones and powers and rulers and authorities specifically mentioned as created by him. And so these are the ranks of angels that were created by him. And in the beginning, all of the angels were to worship and serve God. But as Satan re uh, rebelled and was cast out of heaven, 
a number of angels followed him. Since they are created beings, angels are not omnipresent or omniscient. So neither is Satan. Satan is not omnipresent, and he is not omniscient, knowing all things. He has a great deal of knowledge, but he is not omnipresent. He may seem that way at times because of his ranks of angels or demons that do his work. Satan was created as an, an angel, an angel of the very highest rank. His name was Lucifer. He sinned and was cast out of heaven with hosts of followers going with him, and his angel servants are demons. It was in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18 that Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I don't understand exactly what that means, but you know what a lightning bolt is like. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning. And so in one gigantic crash, Satan and all of those hosts who chose to follow him fell. Now, there are two passages of Scripture that many theologians believe describe Satan. One is Ezekiel 28, and the other is Isaiah 14. And apparently, from reading these passages, Lucifer was in charge of the very throne of God. And it was his responsibility to take uh, rulership over the throne of God and protection of the person of God himself. But Satan decided, I want to be like God. And so as he usurped authority, he was cast out of heaven. And Jesus saw it and said, I beheld Satan cast out of heaven like lightning. Now, that's a bit of background, so the third thing I want to talk about is what is the purpose of angels? And I have, I think, nine or ten to give you in short order tonight. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 7, you read, In speaking of angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent forth to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, that's a pretty, a pretty straightforward verse. It is Hebrews 1, 7, and then verse 14. All angels are ministering spirits, and the angels that are still in the service of God are sent forth to serve those who will inherit salvation. And that's you and me. So angels have a ministry to you and to me. How do they do this anyway? Well, number one, they deliver God's messages. And we could go to a number of passages, but I'm going to look particularly at uh, Acts chapter 12 and verse 23. And here is an angel delivering a message of death. 
And you read this. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Now, that's not a very pretty picture. But here was a man who had put himself in the place of authority and power rather than God. And it says, because of his wicked life, Herod was struck down by an angel of God and his body was consumed by worms. Another place where a message was delivered, we just passed through the season of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings with, with, that will cause great joy for all people. And then you remember that suddenly the sky was filled with hosts of angels and they were all praising God and saying, Glory to God and highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. They delivered God's messages. And in doing that, they will be involved in the judgments that will be poured out on unbelief at the end of time, and I'll refer to that a little more later in the message. Now, so they deliver God's messages. Second, they strengthen us and encourage us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, I read that Jesus, at the end of his temptation, was ministered to by angels. They came to comfort and encourage uh, the Son of God himself. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, you read this. Father, if you will be willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And then it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. How that works, we do not know. But we are told that the Son of God himself in that greatest hour of his agony had angels ministering to him to give him the strength to face the death on the cross. So they strengthen and encourage us. Third, they protect. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 22 you remember the story. Daniel was cast into a den of lions because he had displeased the king. And he said, My God sent his angel, and he shut the lions' mouths. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in your sight, O king, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. So in that moment... Daniel was given protection in a den of hungry lions. They protected him. You say, well, I've been in really difficult circumstances and I never had an angel protect me. You can't really say that for sure. We do not know when angels are protecting us and we are totally unaware. As Hebrews says, 
Some of us have been entertain, entertaining angels unaware that they're even there. Number four, they deliver. The first instance I want us to look at, and I'm only giving illustrations, is in Acts chapter 12 and verse 7, where Peter was in prison and was scheduled to be executed the next day. And we read, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. I always am amazed that Peter was able to sleep when he knew that execution was tomorrow. But there he was. The angel had to give him a slap to wake him up. Quick, get up, the angel said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. And the angel read him right out through the closed doors. And Peter showed up at a prayer meeting, and they couldn't believe that their prayers had been answered. You remember the story. So that's an illustration of the delivering power of an angel. And that was done for the apostle Peter. Number five, they comfort. And I'm referring to Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse 23, where the Apostle Paul said, Last night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And here they were in that tremendous storm, and Paul was able to say, an angel told me that we would all be saved. All of you sailors are going to make it out. So don't fear for your lives. And it came to pass exactly as it had been promised. And so they comfort. Number six, they reveal reality. In Matthew chapter 28, in the second verse, you read, There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat upon it. And here is the glorious fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where an angel came and rolled away the stone, not to let Jesus out. Jesus was already free, but he came to let the disciples in so that they could see the tomb was empty because Jesus had the ability to pass through a door that was closed. But the tomb was opened so that we could peer in and know that there was no body there. There's another place where they reveal reality, and that is back in the Old Testament. And you all know the story of Jacob's dream, where Jacob was fleeing from his brother Laban, and certainly his heart was burdened. He was not a very clear, clean character in his own life. He had been deceitful, and he had literally stolen his brother's birthright with the help of his mother. And uh, now he was headed where he knew not where. 
And he came to a place called Bethel, and he lay down to sleep that night with a stone for his pillow. I don't know about you, but I don't like stones for pillows. But uh, that's what the, the Bible says. And Jacob had a dream. And the dream was of angels ascending and descending. Now, I particularly want you to notice the order. They were ascending and then descending. That means that the angels are present with us. They were ascending. doesn't say they were descending first. They were ascending to get their messages from God, and they were descending and coming back to carry out the messages that they were given from God to, to give. And to me, that's an amazing thing, that they were ascending. And, and, and Jacob saw in his dream the angels ascending. And that must have been a great comfort to him as he went on to what a future that he did not know was going to happen. And yet the angels of the Lord were beside him and going with him and going up to get new messages, coming back to help him. Now, number seven. Here's one that uh, I think is, is tremendous for us as believers to understand. They attend believers at death. Have you ever thought of this? Angels attend believers at death. Luke chapter 16 is one text to illustrate this. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Isn't that a tremendous thought? Here was the rich man buried in a great lavish ceremony, but the angels carried the beggar and took him into the presence of Abraham and the other saints of the, of the other days. Then there's another passage in the New Testament that is of critical importance to understand here. And I'm beginning to read in Matthew chapter 13, and verse 27, and it's a parable that Jesus was telling. And he said, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from or these tares come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And the enemy who sows them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are the angels. That is a very significant statement. Angels are going to be involved in gathering the unbelievers to the judgment 
and angels are going to be involved in gathering us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and carrying us into his very presence. The harvesters are the angels. Number eight, they warn of judgment. The illustration I'm going to give you is in Genesis chapter 18 and 19. You know the passage where the angels came to the household of Abraham and and said, we've come with a mission. We are going to destroy a very wicked city, a group of cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And And Abraham prayed a great deal that God would spare the cities for the righteous in the cities. And he begged for ten righteous. And unfortunately, Lot had not been able to influence ten people for the Lord. And so the judgment fell. And the angels gathered Lot and, and rushed him out of the city. You all know that story. The angels actually had to grab hold of Lot's hand and say, Come on, we're getting out of here before the judgment of God fell. And then number nine, and this is most exciting, the angels will attend Christ at his coming. For in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, you read, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Or you could go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, to give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, and he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so the angels will attend Christ at his coming. And all of these hosts of angels will be joining us in a great praise, celebration before the Lord. And then number 10, the angels also have the responsibility of exalting and praising God. Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. You read, in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever." And forever. And so the angels have this business of exalting and praising God. And I take you back to Isaiah 6, where they flew around the throne of God saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Now, there you have, as I have been able to discover, the various ministries that angels have. So let me sort of tie this together with some concluding thoughts. Remember that I read to you in Hebrews 1.14, 
Are not all angels ministering spirits to serve those who will inherit salvation? That means that there are times when angels are involved in protecting and helping you and I, and we don't even know that they're there. I remember an instance when I was a teenager. I was driving the family car. We were going home from church at night, and we were going up a hill, and a car came down the hill passing another car right straight toward us. And I didn't know what to do. And suddenly that car veered off into the ditch, and we drove on. And I believe that was an angelic intervention to protect my family that night. I can't prove that, but I, I remember it vividly. I, I still see those lights coming toward me. And then I read in the beginning, the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him and delivers them. I like the way the message translates that verse. It says the angel of, of the Lord set up a circle of protection around us. A circle of protection. And I'm sure there are times in your life when you have been protected, when you have been helped, and you're not even aware of it. Because God sent his messengers, his angels, to guard over you and protect you. And we can thank God for angelic protection. Probably more often than we are ever aware, we have been helped by angels. I loved Dr. V. Raymond Edmond, who was for many years the president of Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. He was a very sane, careful student of the Bible. He had been a missionary in Ecuador for a number of years and then went on to have a distinguished career as the president of Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, he was anything but uh, a far-out kind of guy. He was solid in every belief in the Word of God. And I read a story written by Raymond Edmond, and I was terribly impressed by it. He and his wife were in their 20s when they were missionaries in Ecuador, and the people around them were very unfriendly. They did not want them there. And they were very unfriendly, and they were hounded and persecuted every day. They had a home uh, behind a, an open patio, and at the front of the patio there was a gate, a, a, a steel gate, chained shut. And one day they were having their lunch, and uh, somebody pounded on the gate and rattled the chain, and uh, he went out. He left the table and went out to see who was at the gate. And he said there was an Indian woman standing there knocking on the gate. And as he approached her, she spoke to him a little bit and said, I have come to pray for you. 
Now, all the people around were unfriendly and hounding them to leave. And suddenly, this Indian woman came and, and said, I want to pray with you. And he, she put her hands on him and began to pray down the power of God on his life in the name of Jesus. And after she had prayed, she turned and, and left. And he said, I was dazed for a moment. I unlocked the gate and went out to call to her. And I looked up and down the street, and it was a walled alley on both sides, and there was no one there. And he said, I ran down to the corner, and I looked, and I ran down to the other corner, and I looked, and there was no one there. And he said, I believe that that was an angelic intervention with people who were at the end of their extreme, extreme persecution, were touched by the power of God, and he said that gave us the strength to go on and do the ministry. And he said, I believe that was an angel of God. Now, you may feel I'm an extremist because I believe that. And I believe that there is more angelic intervention around us every day than we will ever know until we stand in the presence of our Savior and see some of the scrapes that we avoided because the angels of God ministered to us. Let's be grateful that we have the protection of an almighty God. Let's pray together. Father, <clears throat> we do not understand all or really very much about angels and how they work and how they serve you and how they protect us. But we give you thanks for this teaching from your word and make us aware that your hand is upon us for protection every day we live. And may we give you praise for the, the Holy Spirit who's within and for the angelic protection that is all about us. And we give thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to give the invitation as we always do. If you've never trusted Christ, no greater night than now to make that decision in confession of your own need of Christ and his protection, would you come and confess him as your Savior? Or if you have felt led to become a part of this church, I invite you to come.